satisfied as long as I walk and we walk close to thee just closer walk with thee grant Jesus is my Good out there. <laughs> now this this song here, I, I sang this song at Reverend Case's funeral, and it was such an honor to play at his funeral. It was unbelievable. But uh, I think about it when I'm, you know, when we play this song. 
so many people that when I first got saved that really helped me out and uh, I'll never for, I'll never forget it there ain't nothing like praising the Lord I love playing singing I love it you know he's been so good to me well a few months ago I was laying in a intensive year or care unit so I thank him for saving my life This one here's a, a song again. Well, all these songs are have a special meaning to me. That you've been looking 
shame. I was talking to Jesse back there earlier and you know I didn't get saved and then have a path straight up all the time. I had some bad bad times and I imagine there's been some people go through the same kind of stuff. But uh, he was there. He's always always there waiting. You get tired of that. But this song is uh, well we'll just play it. It's so special. It's Oh, yeah, y'all can sit down. I promised you. <laughs> yeah. Can you hear this? Now, you don't have to. If you want to stand up in the middle, because this is an awfully good song, should touch our hearts. It is well, it is. 
preaching, isn't it? Pastor Brian asked me to preach today and went home and started looking for sermons that I'd done before that I could come and comfortably give to you. We could all have something nice this morning and then go out to get lunch or whatever. That was my plan. Now, you know that when uh, you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans. So the Lord gave me something completely different. And I know that he did that. There's, uh, it's for at least one person. So if you're that one person, praise God. Hopefully uh, the rest of you will get something out of it too. I want to read to you from uh, the Gospel according to Matthew real quick. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. He will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name of Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. 
When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and, she, and he gave him the name Jesus. The word of God for the people of God. It was two nights before Christmas in 1997 in Cincinnati, Ohio. I was associate pastor at Grossbeck Methodist Church. And one of the men, Mel Fisher, had started a food ministry in this blighted area of Cincinnati called Over the Rhine. If you know it now, it's a lot different from the way it used to be. Jenny worked with him and was on his board. Mel had a mental disability that kept him from holding a regular job, but he knew that by serving God, he could still be useful and helpful. And that night then of December 23rd, there was a tremendous winter storm that hit Cincinnati. Snow and blowing and frigid temperatures locked down the city. As most everybody was huddled in their homes keeping warm, Mel's phone rang. It was the event coordinator of a fancy hotel in downtown Cincinnati, and she told Mel that if he came immediately, she would donate 150 meals to the homeless uh, center in Cincinnati. So because of the storm, only 100 of the 250 uh, guests who were paying for this uh, several hundred dollars, this charity event, showed up. And so they had 150 meals. And the meals had to go, and it, they could either go with Mel or they could go back with the caterer to be thrown in the trash. You know, sometimes it's easier to serve God than other times, right? But Mel, man with God's own heart, dutifully answered the call, pulled on his boots, headed out into the thunderstorm, into the snowstorm, and slipped and slid his way down to central Cincinnati and pulled up in the back of this nice hotel. The staff began loading insulated carriers. Mel wondered what's going, you know, what's in that, what are the kind of meals they give, and he's expecting one of those box meals. He doesn't know what's going on. And they opened up and told him, we've got 150 meals of the finest steaks and seafood and beautiful sides and wonderful desserts, and unfortunately, we've got to get rid of them, so you can take them to the shelter. And so he did that. He slipped and slid his, his van to the shelter. And the shelter, on a normal night, you know, held a few dozen, but it was such terrible weather, and people showed up. And they had 150 people there that evening. What a coincidence. So they put it in the bank, the, the food bank into the... Um, into the shelter, and all were fed. And last I heard, people were still talking about that. And all those people were fed, and all those people were giving glory to God because Mel was obedient in the late evening in a tremendous snowstorm, all because one man looked past his own comforts and was obedient to God and 
made his decision based on that. And I want to tell you, there are no small decisions in God's economy. Now, we're here in Nazarene Church, praise God. Community that holds holiness is one of the bedrocks of understanding about the practice of Christian living. Holiness means righteousness, and righteousness means obedience. Holiness, righteousness, and Christian living start with obedience. Obedience comes even before understanding. If God tells you to do something, you do it even if you don't understand why. The desire to listen to God and do his bidding comes first. God's will is reasonable, but he doesn't always reason with us to do it. Sometimes he just gives the opportunity. Sometimes he strongly gives us the opportunity. He tells us, he shows us, he leads us. Sometimes he compels us. We don't have anything left to do but do God's will. Now, sometimes we overthink it. That's what I do. Um, I want to see every detail and make sure it all fits together and predict the outcome before I move. And uh, I'm not the only one there, right? But obedience trumps understanding, hands down. There is trust in God to do what God asks and trust God for the results, whatever they are. There's an old preacher probably sang those songs that we just sang a little bit ago. He says, uh, Brethren, whatever this good book tells me to do, I'm going to do it. If I see that I must jump through a wall, I'm going to jump at it. Now, it's up to God whether I go through the wall or not, but the jumping's up to me. So I want to, you know, talk about that. Talk about the decisions that we make, make because of obedience there's, is a decision. Joseph could have said no to the angel in the dream. Probably a bad idea. I'm not saying no to an angel, but he could have. Obedience to God's will is critical to the implementation of God's plan and our place in it. If you think about it, most of the great heroes of the Bible are known for what? For their obedience. Think of Abraham. He left home left God's beckoning, left it at God's beckoning, was set to sacrifice Isaac on the altar in obedience to God. Now, God, of course, saved Isaac in that. How about Moses, who despite his hesitation, obeyed God to defy Pharaoh and lead his people out of Egypt. Joshua did God's will in leading the people into the, um, into the promised land. Noah no, build an ark in his backyard. Obedient. Daniel prayed to God when it was outlawed out of obedience. Mary obeyed God when he asked her to bear the chosen one. She answered, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Wow. Who says that? Jesus, in the ultimate act of obedience, went to be tortured to death on a cross. And what did he say? Not my will, but yours be done. At some point, our biblical heroes had a decision to make, to follow God or follow their own desire or fear, just like we do. Sometimes we can see that it's a momentous thing that we have to decide, sometimes not. 
But even a small act on our part, an act of obedience to God, can be part of a momentous act of God. So let's look just briefly at the scripture that I read. Uh, Joseph knew that Mary was pregnant. Baby wasn't his. He knew that she could be killed for it. He met the angel in the dream and did what the angel said. The angel met him and kind of gave him the tea, right? This is what's up. And if, I don't know about you, but if an angel comes to me, I'm going, yes, sir. That's, that's it. An angel says jump, I'm saying how high. Joseph had something that we rarely have, and he had godly insight. He had a direct message from on high. Joseph got a who, a what, a why from the angel, but he still could have said, no way, Jose. So making the decision to be holy, to be righteous, to be obedient, comes down to dealing with difficult decisions. Like, do I put my boot and mittens on and drive in a level two snowstorm down to inner sense Cincinnati to deliver food to the homeless. We have multitudes of things we're dealing with. Sometimes God's will is permissive, like on a basketball basketball court. Anywhere you go is in bounds. Um, anywhere you go is okay. For example, suppose you have to meet. Suppose you have to decide on where you're going to go after high school. Sometimes multiple colleges will meet God's criteria for your life. That's God's permissive will. Maybe God wants you to go to Ohio State. Maybe he wants you to go to Columbus State. God never wants you to go to the University of Michigan. <laughs> just, just so you know. And sometimes God has a very specific will for your life because he needs you to meet someone or discover something or become more educated in something. So God needs you to say to go to, say, Mount Vernon, Naz. God's will can sometimes be confusing, but the first step in discerning his will is to be committed to following it. I need an amen for that. Thank you. Holiness begins and ends with obedience to God. And what I pulled together this week, and what I think God led me to, what I have here are six hacks on helping you discern God's will. Um, I've picked these up over the years in ministry and decision making, just being around for almost 64 years. I'll tell you what the hack is, and I'll explain it a little bit and perhaps give a, a, an example. And hopefully... We can use these hacks to help us make our life decisions in an obedient, righteous, and holy manner. Using these hacks will help us look at, at decisions that we have to make, things that we have to do, things that we're wondering about by looking at God's angle. These are for seeking God's path in uncertain times and in no particular order. Number six did you seek godly counsel? One of the important ways that we deal with a dilemma and we find out we have something we're working on is talking to somebody. And as Christians, we want to talk to people who are, who are wise, and we have a, a lot of people in this community 
that are wise and have lived a number of years and have lived in different circumstances in life and have a lot to share with us. So we can uh, talk to a pastor, we can talk to a wise friend or groups of people from the church. You give them an honest assessment of your situation, you're thinking about it, and ask them to help you by giving their wise Christian counsel to you. Help them, ask them to help you discern what God is doing. And a biblical example of that is uh, Peter and the Council of, Jerusalem, Council of Jerusalem. The next thing, number five, is something to look at. Does it give you the peace of certainty? Now, sometimes we say, does, does it give you peace? And we're still filled with apprehension. But if we look close, if we look deep down in, we can see that there's a certain, certain type of, of sureness, assuredness, certainty that makes the inside of us go, okay, it's going to be okay. Do you have, if, when you look inside yourself, do you have that certainty? Do you have that peace, assuredness? There may be a lot of good reasons for apprehension. We don't always make decisions to follow God when everything's going to go wonderfully. Paul said in the letter to the Philippians, do not be anxious about anything. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Number four, does it agree with the Bible? God will never, listen to me, God will never ask you to do something that goes against his word. Is it aligned with God's character as we understand it? Example, God is never, and there's a thousand examples, but this one, God is never going to ask you to commit adultery. God's never going to lead you into that. Against the commandments, and furthermore, betrayal is not a part of God's character. We know that. But consult Scripture. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Act number three, uh, did you pray over it? If you haven't specifically gone to God over the situation, you may be simply entertaining your own passions. We have ideas and desires and yearnings and longings that drive our decision-making process very often. We have to ask God directly to lead us and listen for his still, small voice or sometimes his loud, booming voice. Sometimes God has to use that on me. In response to our direct queries so that we can discern what is best, Paul says in Philippians, again, and this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. Act number three, two, I'm sorry. Are your motivations in line? For goodness sake, in any decision that you make, check your motivations. If the object of your attention will give you far greater personal benefit 
stand to the kingdom of God, please go back and review items six through three. It's super easy to hear what we want to hear when making a big decision. For example, this is just uh, me. Um, I can think of at least 17 good reasons why I should buy a new car. But in my case, the car payment will keep me from ministering to my family and supporting ministries that uh, we do. By all means, I'm not telling you don't buy a new car. Somebody has to, right? But if the real reason you want to buy a new car is you want to make your friends, God, friends jealous, leave God out of it. When you're, when you're weighing about whether you should do something, make a decision, do, do that or not, is the answer going to cost you something and benefit the kingdom of God? You may be on track then. In Matthew it says, Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. Hack number one, do the resources and needs line up? Do opportunities or circumstances align in ways that seem custom-made to your situation? Does a friend call you out of nowhere and offer you a job that seems custom-made for you and your situation? That may very well be God setting you up. Sometimes you feel an impression that you should help someone or some way. You look at that neighbor who needs to move and you have a pickup. Or somebody who looks sad and you, need, you have a moment to give them an embrace. The church missions need money and you just got a windfall. If there's a need and you can need, meet it, it's probably God calling you to do it. In fact, Pastor Todd's number one rule for discerning God's will if a known need matches your own resources or abilities, you can be pretty confident that God is asking you to do it. Look at things lining up. We t take a look at 1 Samuel and uh, the story of how David ended up to be king. And a lot of things had to line up there. So those are, those are six hacks um, that I think that you can use to discern God's will in your life. Now I want to go on and finish up with a little thing here. And I want to tell you that before Jenny and I and Luke and Mitch left our home in Millersport, Ohio, to go to Asbury Seminary and go into ministry, our church sang as the last hymn, Here I Am, Lord. I still can't hear that song without tears coming to my eyes. It's taken from Scripture in Isaiah. This is the Scripture. In the year that King Uzziah died... I saw the Lord high and exalted, a seat on it on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings, with two they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying, and they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried. I'm ruined. 
For I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And I said, Here am I. Send me. God's call includes works both great and small. You may be called to go into full-time ministry, but you may also be called to pray for a policeman who was having a bad day. Please, listen intently and truly discern that God is looking for someone to bring his gracious holiness into a broken world. I pray that when he asks, whom shall I send for a mission, large or small, that you will have the confidence and discernment to answer, here I am, Lord. Let us pray. Lord God, we thank you for the opportunity to come here today. There's some beautiful music to hear your word and to be together with the brethren who together we are the community of Marysville Nazarene. Lord, lead us in your way. Lead us in your path. From this moment on, Lord, give us the desire to answer to you that, that here I am. I will serve you. I will look into each situation. I will examine it. I will think about it with the number one thought in my mind. To do your will, to be obedient, and to live a life of righteousness and holiness. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Thank you all for coming and bearing with me. And I hope you have a blessed, blessed Sunday.